Welcome to the Out of the Ordinary Podcast. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. Some of my favorite ordinary things are homegrown flowers, strawberry jam, and old books with someone else's notes in them. And some of mine are hot tea, always with milk and sugar, a good movie, my mom's hand-me-down books, and Sunday afternoon naps. This is the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of ordinary life. Get comfy. Here we go. I feel like we had another little milestone moment for the Black Barn at Maplehurst. We celebrated a birthday in there recently. <laughs> I know. When it's an 11-year-old boy's birthday, it looks less like sitting around beautifully with tea parties and more like boys rollerblading inside the barn. And I think <laughs> at one point they were doing like a conga line of rollerblades <laughs> and all kinds of other bikes and scooters, and it was very unsafe. And we scooched our chairs into the corner. <laughs> we the adults. <laughs> we, we, adult. we crouched around the fire hiding from the children who <laughs> were running wild. They were about to crash into us or the wood stove. It's free-range parenting, <laughs> right? right? It's still, free-range parenting. It was a good party. I'm glad we were able to celebrate your son Micah here. We've known him his whole life. I and know. It's a sweet thing. And he's so precious because he's sort of my big, tough football dude, but he's also very sentimental. So I, you know, we had got cupcakes. We had these chocolate cupcakes and all the kids were just ready to fall upon them. <laughs> and then you said, should I get the candles? And I thought, eh, do we have to even worry? And then I asked Micah, do you want to do candles where we sing and blow them out? And he was like, yeah, I want to do everything. <laughs> so we held back the hordes. And- right. Put candles and lit them and sang and they blew them out before everybody was allowed to just fall onto the chocolate cupcakes. He's a boy after my own heart. <laughs> candles are important. Yeah, Setting the ceremony mood is important. Yeah. Those little rituals matter. I was surprised. But yeah, he was really into it. Actually, the night before his birthday, before he woke up that morning, it was really sweet. We were tucking him into bed and the kids had worn themselves out. They were so exhausted from all the play. But then he said... To Pete and I and his brother and sister, wait, you got to do the thing. You got to tell the birthday story. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you know, like you did for Jackson, you sit down and you talk about me being bored before I go to sleep and then you pray for me. (laughs) I said, oh, yes. Okay. So we sat down and told his birth story and prayed, all prayed over him. And we had his burgers and fries for lunch and chocolate chocolate cupcakes with candles. That's right. Except at the last minute, I guess my son Thaddeus didn't have the cupcake. I don't right. know if you noticed that was yes. ha- that little mini drama happening in the corner. Yeah. He, uh, so he was lifting that cupcake. And right then, my husband Jonathan yelled from the corner because he had picked up the cupcakes yeah, John at the bakery. And Pete bought them, but we right. weren't there. Yeah. So he said, "Oh, oh, Christy, I, uh, I'm sure it's fine, but I didn't check the ingredient list. If you want to do that." And so I said, "Thaddeus, hold it!" <laughs> and he had that cupcake centimeters Poised from his lips by his because they had all been drooling over <laughs> right. them and snatching. And I said, just a second just just give me a second and i pulled the the package out of the little trash can and i read the ingredient list and normally what i was prepared to see is they often say may contain peanuts may contain traces of nuts or traces of tree nuts so i was assuming that it would say that and that i would say hey it's okay like mm-hmm. we we're usually will allow him to eat if it says, you know, may contain traces, but it said contains peanuts and tree nuts. That's so it crazy. said it right there. And so I turned around, I said, Thaddeus, Stop! don't eat it. <laughs> don't bite that. Which is funny because we had just been having a yeah. conversation the day before where you had asked about 
his allergies, his allergies. and ha- because my memories of Thad and it's just wild that we are old enough now to do the thing my parents and their friends used to do where they'd be like I remember when you were a baby and, you know with mom I feel like I should be having a cane as I say that but, <laughs> but I remember when Thaddeus was born and you guys came to visit us in Michigan and it really is the closest I've ever seen to a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths because you had right. like wrapped his entire body up because he was having such severe eczema reactions to things. And you also arrived at our house to stay with your own like five bags of Trader Joe groceries. And I thought, <laughs> how am I not offended by what is happening right now? But it's because Thaddeus, there were so few things he could really eat right. and you had to be so careful. And that was our first introduction to to really having a friend with a child with severe like life-threatening allergies that's right i remember that visit and i remember how the little sleeves of his little onesie would would write up or the wrappings would come undone and poor baby he would scratch himself bloody because Mm. his skin was so itchy and right we had to be so careful and i think at that point we didn't even know fully what he was allergic to or what was happening. But I think in that next year, we discovered that he was allergic to, it felt like just about everything. everything. <laughs> yeah. But you brought this up the other day because the exciting thing is, is that now when we gather for these birthdays and these mm-hmm. holidays, for the most part, Thaddeus joins in on everything. It feels like an actual miracle. He's I, been healed I, of I can't so even get many over of his food allergies and it's incredible. And so while... In our last uh, episode, we talked about God's promises for us as we enter into a new year. We also wanted to focus this week on you know what God promises for our children, or really by extension, anyone you really love in your life, someone who's so dear to you that it would almost be worse if something bad happened to them than if mm-hmm. it happened to you. And we've been thinking about Thaddeus a lot because we've been downstairs talking and you know ordering pizza. The guys right. spontaneously, we were Christy and I were doing an Instagram live and then our husbands chimed in the comments <laughs> to let us know they were ordering pizza for dinner. <laughs> but that Thaddeus can eat that pizza is so shocking to me because I have so many memories of so many years where you'd have to prepare a special exactly. separate pizza for Thad. And then Micah would always be like, can I try Thaddeus's pizza? <laughs> His is good. And I'm like, no, man. You can only eat this one kind. Stay away from Thaddeus's. Micah would always be the one who'd be like, can would, I try yeah. Thaddeus's crackers? Can I try Thaddeus's cheese? <laughs> That's right. Poor Thaddeus oh. was he he was oh. quite literally deathly allergic to dairy and wheat. Yeah. So pizza was the worst thing ever. It had to have a special crust. Mm. It couldn't have real cheese. You, we had to be so because careful. he would go into anaphylactic shock. Right. If he, right. I guess you should. This so this is the story Christy's going to share today because I had said we have to go back and revisit this story because it's yeah. so unbelievable. And my first memory of you talking about it was really about when you had a babysitter in Chicago and there was milk in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in that story, like the milk only touched his skin. Mm -hmm. He didn't Mm -hmm. even drink it. Mm -hmm. Is that right? um, We had a babysitter and it was a little nanny share. Mm -hmm. So Thaddeus and then my friend's little baby would Mm -hmm. be cared for together in our apartment, which was so sweet. And so of course the other little baby, the little toddler would drink milk from a sippy cup. And one day um, I came home and Thaddeus's face was all swollen. His eyes were almost swollen shut. And how old would he have been? He would have been about 18 months old. That's so crazy. And the babysitter, um, and this had just happened, but the babysitter told me that the other little girl had spilled her sippy cup. And she 
did not even think that Thaddeus had touched it. What? Now, he, but he may have, maybe yeah. some brushed on his finger. But as far as she could tell, he, he had not even touched it before she cleaned it up. But the next thing she knew, his his skin was red, his eyes were swelling shut. Sometimes, it, even when he was much older, and I had uh, baby Elsa at this point, I can remember once being at church, and because we were at church, I had fed her a, a bottle in my lap of some mm. milk-based formula. Well, she'd spit, she spit it up, and she mm. spit it up all over Thaddeus. <laughs> oh, no. And she spit it up. It went on his arm. So this is formula regurgitated. This is not even real food, really. But knowing he was so allergic, I I grabbed him, I took him to the bathroom, I washed it off right away, and already his arm was red and angry and swollen and itchy. So even just touching him (laughs) with these foods was a problem. And having grown up on those stories, I remember lecturing my boys who (laughs) love milk. When we came to your house, I remember Thaddeus had his all of his own cup, plate, bowl that he just used that were milk-free. And I remember lecturing my middle child particularly. You you could kill Thaddeus like, <laughs> if you spill milk and don't clean it up or if you try out his cup for fun. Or, I mean, I had a fear too for, you know, what my children might be responsible for. And so really we've spent all of our years when we've come to Maplehurst knowing that we were under kind of a red alert warning when it came to Thaddeus's health and that my children participated in watching out for him and being very conscious of themselves, what they ate, what they put on his plate, how they touched him, if they spilled milk immediately calling me so we could clean it up. There's been a shared burden because that's what friends do. We carry those Mm. with one another and a a real shared investment in his health, which is why when I watch that kid eat a giant slice of pizza, I just, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. It's amazing. And I think of one particular time, um, especially because this, oh, Lisa Joe. <laughs> I know. I can't even, let's anytime see. you and I talk about it, I can't look directly at you. Right. Let's see if I can tell this story today. Ooh, anytime without, I read um, it. Bursting into tears. <laughs> let's just say the backdrop for the story being, as we head into this new year, that God intends good for the people right. that we love. He really does. And that we can trust Him with right. that, even when it doesn't turn out the way we want it to. Exactly. And I... Love Thaddeus so much. Mm. He was, oh, see, I am going to cry. He was the answer to so many prayers. He was born on my birthday. (laughs) He is the best birthday gift I have ever been given. Oh, this precious child. But yes, he came with this ongoing sense of emergency, really, that we had to be on high alert all the time. And uh, once when he was four, we were living in Florida, and I decided at that time I wanted to try to implement this um, like parent-child date. Thing. Oh, yeah. So we would have yes, these, try to have these special times yes. um, with one child one-on-one, and so maybe Jonathan would take Lily out for some special one-on-one, and and so this was the first one. I, I we talked it up for weeks, and I was going. We were going to have a mother-son date, and I would take Thaddeus out for something special, one-on-one. And maybe it was because it was this whole special thing. I I don't know. I'm trying to understand why I made the mistake that I did. 
why did it happen? I don't know. Maybe I was distracted by this thought of, here we are, a special thing. Mm. I don't know. Maybe you're just tired. Because I I feel like so many times my lack of judgment in motherhood or my lapses of judgment are literally associated with being tired. And it's one of my big fears. And I think all moms experience this. Please, God, don't let me miss something just because I'm tired and I'm not paying attention. Because that's, I mean, it's completely understandable as a mom to feel that way and have those moments. Maybe I was tired. Maybe I was distracted. I, I don't know. But what happened is, um, and, and the thing is too that I had done, I had done my due due uh, diligence. diligence. Yeah. <laughs> so I had scoped out this um, little frozen yogurt shop near mm. us. I think I had been in there with a, with Jonathan or another child, and I had seen that they had this separate machine. And it was labeled dairy-free oh, yogurt, okay. dairy-free right. treat. So I had talked with the staff there and asked them about it. I didn't it. realize you'd actually mm-hmm. like investigated and I had, had these conversations. And they had assured me that the machine, if it was going to hold a dairy-free treat, it was completely washed out. It was only dairy, dairy-free. And so I understood that this would be safe. Um, a safe and it would yeah. be a treat I could give my son and a son who it was hard to treat him. Yeah. And it was very hard to treat him in a public place like that. Mm. So we we hard we never went to restaurants we never went to ice cream shops we it right. just was too risky so we always stayed at home so this felt like oh i can do this i can right. treat him in this way so i decided we would go to this yogurt shop and um this would be our mother son date so we did it it uh, was maybe 10 minutes from our house we went there together oh i can see every detail of that little corner shop in the the strip mall and um, being in there with him and going for that dairy-free yogurt. I think even I chose the dairy-free yogurt too. Mm-hmm. I think we just did it together. And um, this is the moment I wonder about, like many yogurt shops, it had a bar with toppings mm-hmm. that you could put on your yogurt. And I had not thought about the toppings ahead yeah. of time. So I, I wouldn't I, either. I, I wasn't I prepared for that. that. Right. And as we went to pay for our yogurt, little four-year-old Thaddeus said, he saw the toppings and he saw gummy bears mm. in the topping bar. And he said, could I put gummy bears on my treat? Again, I'm focused on paying. I'm I'm I don't know what I'm not thinking. I don't know. It's just a moment's lapse. Mm-hmm. Totally understandable. And I said, oh, uh, and I'm thinking, are gummy bears safe? Yes. Okay. He can have gummy bears. That's right. what I was focused on. Right. So I said, sure. And he put gummy bears on his treat. And um, we paid and we sat down to eat. Well, now I know, I learned that day that of course an open topping bar probably had drips of other kinds of yogurt on it perhaps or they just used the same scooper perhaps so right um but what happened was thaddeus took one big bite of that yogurt with the gummy bears and he looked up at me it was immediate he looked at me Mm. these big eyes and then it was like he started to choke And the yogurt all came out of his mouth and he was making these choking sounds and I could tell that he was not able to breathe. Hmm. But in that moment, Lisa Joe, I realized something. I had forgotten his EpiPen. Hmm. I didn't have it in my bag. And I always had the EpiPen. Right. And the thought that ran through my head is I looked around. Of course, all this is happening very quickly. And I looked at the people sitting in that shop and I thought, these people are going to watch my son die. So then I, I yelled up <laughs> to, the, to the cashier, to the people in the shop, um, 
call 911. My son is having a, a reaction, an, an allergic reaction. And I don't have his EpiPen. I called that out to the, to the woman behind the counter. So she went to call 911. But there was another woman standing at the counter, ready mm-hmm. to pay with her two kids. I can still see her. She um, had what this long, curly like? red hair. <laughs> <laughs> she was really pretty. I just remember that long, curly hair. And she, came, she said, I have an EpiPen. And she <laughs> came over. Story where I started to cry. <laughs> and I said, I need an EpiPen Junior. Because he was four. He was still yeah. very small. I knew I couldn't. Um, hit him with a, a grown-up EpiPen. I said, I need an EpiPen Junior. She said, I have an EpiPen Junior. <laughs> and she opened up her purse and she pulls out just what I needed, this EpiPen Junior. I didn't know this woman. I didn't ask questions. Oh, yeah. I think she even said, she said, it's expired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's so American. <laughs> right? And I said, I don't, it doesn't don't matter. Care, it doesn't right. matter. And so I took it and my hands were shaking and Thad is holding his neck and making these choking sounds. And I stabbed him in the thigh with that EpiPen. And then almost immediately, those EpiPens are miracles, I tell you. Whenever I talk to a a parent who's suddenly their child or someone has been diagnosed with an allergy and they say, oh, I I know I have this EpiPen and I'm scared to use it. You're like, it's a miracle. I tell them, do not ever be scared to use that EpiPen. (laughs) Use it. When in doubt, use the EpiPen. And uh, almost immediately, you could tell that um, his little system was, things were changing and um, I, I don't know how long it took, but not long, because by the time that the paramedics arrived at the shop, um, I knew he's okay. Mm. He's okay. And they knew. They, they, they could see. And so at the end of the day, he didn't even get in the ambulance to go to the mm. hospital. We just sat there and we monitored him because sometimes with a reaction like that, you might need to give the EpiPen. A, Again? A, yeah. They come in packs of two for a reason. Really? <laughs> they come in packs wow. of two for a reason. Sometimes you need that second one. Did the lady with the orange hair stay? Was she, she there did throughout? It. In she... my memory, she slipped away. Wow. And I, I also think I remember sort of grabbing her. <laughs> Grabbing her arms. And at this point, I'm waiting for my husband to arrive. I'm just crying. The paramedics are there trying to um, help me feel better, reassuring me. And I just grabbed her arms before she left and just said, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Because she, you know, her presence there in that shop saved my son's life. (laughs) The funny thing is about that whole experience, it took me obviously a while to process. Mm -hmm. But I would say that within a day, I could feel all the fear that I had carried for four years, the fear that I would make a mistake, Mm -hmm. that I would not be vigilant for a moment, and that something terrible would happen to Thaddeus, that I wouldn't read a label, that I would, Mm -hmm. honestly, I'd never feared that I would forget the EpiPen. That hadn't occurred to me. Um, But just that I would make a mistake. And so, always that sense of just um, a burden of fear and of watchfulness, I began to feel it slip away. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I felt emptied all of a sudden of that fear. Like you came face to face with that yeah. worst fear. Came face to face with that worst fear. And I realized, oh, I could make a mistake. Mm-hmm. I could do the worst possible thing. I could really screw something up mm-hmm. and my son will still be cared for. Mm-hmm. There's someone else who loves him. There's someone <laughs> else watching out for him. Yeah. And I didn't have the sense of, Oh, now I know he'll always be fine. No, I I knew the worst could happen. The Mm. worst could happen. 
but he won't, that won't be because of me. It won't be because he isn't loved. Right. Any, I knew in that moment, anything that happens to my son has, has been filtered through hands of love because mm-hmm. he's held in hands of love. He's mm-hmm. held in the hands of God. And it's not up to me ultimately. Right. But I know that God loves my son more than I love him mm-hmm. and has good intended for right. him. Right. And so I, I just felt that fear just drain away. And that was a real watershed moment for my relationship with him, for for just my life as a mom, because he had many more years of severe allergies after that. Right. Many more years. We had other scary times. We used the EpiPen other times. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the, the, the final mm-hmm. time. And yet, um, everything was actually different after Mm. that because i had this i felt like i was on this solid foundation of knowing i'm not the only one who cares for him Mm. me and jonathan aren't the only ones who care Mm. for him we're not the only ones watching out for him someone else is also watching over him Mm. and so i don't have to be so afraid and Mm. i can trust the one watching over him i can trust him yeah it was life-changing but i tell you now now that he can eat frozen yogurt and ice cream and whipped cream and pizza, um, I can feel yet again that I have laid down even another, you know, burden of care for him. And for those that are wondering, how is he able to eat those now? That's what I was asking you yesterday. It was just so interesting to hear that there actually are certain age brackets where kids can grow out of allergies. It's just the Mm -hmm. wildest thing. Yeah. So, we knew um, that age five to seven would be a pivotal age. Um, but it turned out for him that he, I think at that age, maybe he shed his egg allergy mm-hmm. and, and um, maybe there was one other, um, but still was very allergic to numerous other things. And then another pivotal age is, I want to say nine to 11. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we tried to pay careful attention. And I think he was maybe 10 when I put a little milk on his arm mm. and realized that his skin didn't react. Mm. And so that was the first sign that maybe we could, with his doctor's help, start testing his, you know, his sensitivities to things. And um, whatever little switch was switched on in his system before is now switched off. Mm. And, uh, and he can eat ice cream. Except when it comes to tree nuts and certain cupcakes, (laughs) which we're very glad you checked the label. Exactly. That party could have ended differently yesterday. But you know, I never, even in that moment where I saw that cupcake right up there and knew what could have happened, I'm still not afraid. Hmm. Not afraid. Ooh, it's, you know, it's a hard story to hear for many reasons. I think as parents, you verbalize some of our worst fears, right? Not You know, whether our kids have allergies or not, it's that fear of being out of control, of not being able to rescue them when the moment comes. And I'm sure for women listening, it's hard to hear that story because there are definitely parents out there who didn't have your experience, who have lost their children. And, you know, the question comes back is, is that good? Like, has God loved me? Did he not love my child enough? Mm -hmm. And it is a perpetual echo i think that question has to just echo right into the bowels of heaven Mm -hmm. from parents Mm -hmm. everywhere and we certainly do not have the answer Mm -hmm. for that but i'll just say if we believe that god is good and if we believe that there's more that this life isn't the be all and end all Mm -hmm. if we believe that there is this place that will make earth feel like something that's hard even to remember that fades away 
there is the assurance of a good God in that place who loves our children. And I I will really say not much more about it than that because I don't speak from experience and it is the terrible fear every parent carries about what well, how would I survive it if I lost one of my children? Mm-hmm. And we both know people who have. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. when you walk that journey of grief, it's so unspeakable to try to fathom the mm-hmm. sorrow at that level. Um, all we can do is just lay on the ground next to you, I think, and say, we I'm believe so there's sorry. a, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so and, sorry. And we believe there's a father God who lays there and, and knows what that feels like. You know, I think it's a remarkable thing to worship a God who's lost a child. Mm-hmm. He actually experienced the devastation mm-hmm. of that. And I don't, by any stretch of the imagination, think that makes it okay mm-hmm. <laughs> or better. But to have a God who can grieve with you, no no other religion can offer that. A mm-hmm. God who can enter into that level of gut-wrenching despair and sorrow and still promise you that he, he will, he does raise all things up and he promises us new life. He mm-hmm. guarantees it. But man, I say that on holy ground because I am the one who has said out loud to you, I don't feel like God loves these children as much as I do. And I've told God that. I don't know if I can trust you with these children. And so I always hold on to your story about that. And when I watch him eat pizza, I just think it's a reminder to me that we are anchored to a God who does know them. He knows them through and through to their DNA. Mm-hmm in a way that we can't, we won't ever. Mm -hmm. And then he knows their spiritual DNA in a way that we will not ever know. And, and he can, he can be trusted with them. I don't know though. There's no neat bow to this story. It's just the ongoing discipline. Right. Right. (sighs) Yeah. And, and you're right. I, I, you know, yesterday with the cupcake with Thaddeus might've gone differently Mm -hmm. and I'm fully aware of that. I don't feel like I have some promise from God that says that the most terrible thing won't happen to Thaddeus. Um, And you're right that I can't even, I mean, that's a terrible, terrible thing to imagine. And yet I think having spent, he's 12 now, these 12 years with him and having just felt consistently God's nearness. Mm. Even in the fear or those moments, there have been quite a few moments where my hands are shaking Mm. and I'm preparing the dose of Benadryl or the EpiPen. God is there. Mm. He's there. And so I can remember that and know, oh, He will be there. Mm -hmm. Whatever is coming, whatever the future is hold, He will also be there Mm -hmm. as comforter, um, as loving presence. And so that just helps. It helps me face the future. Yeah, helps me face the future. I know, which none of us have promised to us, you know. And I think as we think about the promise for our children, there's a verse in Romans that I've come back to time and again. And I've thought about it as a promise for myself, you know, when I'm struggling or for you and John, when you, John, Pete, and I are praying together about mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. But as you share about Thaddeus, I think so much about our kids, you know. And I love this Romans 5, 6 through 8, the first sentence, Christ arrives right on time. <gasps> this idea that he isn't late. He didn't forget. And I think often about the story of Christ falling asleep in the boat and the disciples being so terrified and really, I think, you know, frustrated with him Mm -hmm. that he would do that. And I've thought often that Christ wasn't asleep because he didn't care. He was asleep because he wasn't afraid. 
Mm. And he could sleep in the assurance that his father was in fact in control. And then he got up and proved that, right, by silencing the storm. And so when I think about our kids and parents that are listening as we head into this new year, and we don't know where you're at on the journey with your children, and maybe it's not your children, maybe it's a spouse or a dear loved parent or a friend, but that person you hold, where you're afraid to unclench your fists. And I know that feeling, you just want to like grab them up to your bosom, you know, and just hold them and love them and say, no one and nothing will touch this one. What does it take to be willing to tell that God who arrives right on time, who isn't asleep because he doesn't care, but because he isn't afraid to offer our children to him because he wants to walk them deeper into the promises he has for them? Are we willing to trust him? And I think one of the lessons I have learned over the last you know, 13 years of parenting is that God challenged me and said when I was working through my own fear, the problem is, Lisa Joe, you aren't trusting me deep enough. You want to unclench your hands and say, okay, I'll just, I'll not be afraid. Mm-hmm. He's like, but you need to ask way more of me than that. Okay. I have much bigger dreams for your kids than that they would just be safe. Uh, I have plans for them that are richer and deeper and more scary and challenging. I have Everests for them. You wow. know, I have Amazon jungles for them. I have adventure. I have... You are, all you're doing is like, you're right here on the shore with your toes scrunched up and you're like, okay, I just won't be afraid. And God (laughs) is like, no, I want way more from you than that. Come deeper in with me. Come here into the ocean. And I think about our last trip last year to Florida. We're at the beach with our kids, you know, and it is that place of fear for parents, even though my children can swim now. There's that sense constantly of like, oh my gosh, what could happen to them? And I stood there on the shore and I was just, you know, the part where the waves were just curling over my toes, the the little sips of water from the ocean onto the shore. But there was my seven-year-old and she had a little boogie board and she was going in deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. to the water. And I just saw in her the joy, like the ecstasy of being in this place of water where you have sort of the risk meets (laughs) the safety and you're kind of in the middle of that place. And I stood watching her and her dad was right next to her to pick her up anytime she was (laughs) dug too deep under the water. And I think with me, I won't speak for anyone else, I have felt God challenge me. I don't just want your fear, Mm. but I want your hope for what comes for them. Mm. I want your love. I want your trust. I want your adventure. I want your deepest dreams. Those are what you need to trust me with for your children, Mm. which is a much bigger, higher calling than just letting go your fear for them. It is. Can you give me everything else you have Mm. for them too? Because I'm going to show you what I have planned for their lives. You know, he spoke them into existence in the same way that he did the waves and the wind and the storehouses of the snow that he tells Job, have you ever seen that? You know, have you been there? where the mountain lion is or where the deer falls. I think that's the God who sees in my children their potential in a way that I can't possibly because I'm so busy trying to protect them from things. Mm -hmm. But he's the God who wants to call them out deeper with him, Mm -hmm. way beyond just the tiny boundary of fear into the great wide expanse of his goodness and his glory. And I think it's a good reminder to me this year, having watched (laughs) Bo. 
after he put down the cupcake, they continued to recklessly speed around that barn <laughs> on all kinds of vehicles. A reminder that that God delights in that with them and that he's calling them into something deeper. And will I be brave enough to let them go? To let them go. 